Hello, and welcome to Last Week 100 Years Ago, the podcast where we bring you the hottest news that happened last week, 100 years ago. Today, we'll be trying to answer the question, can we really talk to the dead? Spoiler alert, probably not, but we'll give it the old college try. I'm Isaac Smith, and I am not joined today by Michael Karch because this is a mini-sode. We'll be bringing you these mini-sodes occasionally in between episodes to focus on stories we might not have had the time to cover during a full episode. And with that, let's jump right in. The first headline, and I say first because I really went down the rabbit hole for this one, is from the Detroit Free Press on February 6, 1921, and it reads, Dies to Prove Dead Can Talk. The subheading is, Professor Suicide, believed to have had spiritualistic pact with girl. And I'll read the first part uh, of the article. Believed to have entered into a pact that, if successful, would answer the great problem of existence after the grave, Professor Thomas Lynn Bradford gave his last remaining possession, his life. So, basically, he was someone who believed or thought that the dead could talk to the living, and so he killed himself to prove that that could happen. He was going to come back as a spirit. So some background on Bradford. Bradford was a professor and graduate of Columbia College of Oratory, Chicago, which is funnily enough, the college that Mike and I both graduated from. And I actually found a photo of Thomas Bradford just to confirm that we look nothing like him and make sure that we are 100% not Bradford reincarnate. The Detroit Free Press says he was a dramatic and humorous reciter. I don't don't know if that's the right word. An impersonator. And is said to have also been a designing and electrical engineer. Bradford is known to have read much on science and spiritualism and was a fluent conversationalist. He was greatly intrigued by the mystical and the occult. He had seven brothers, two of which were were physicians, and his father was a farmer. And he made a statement some time ago. It says, when I die, my body goes to science. It is to be sent to the Michigan Medical Institute. Anyhow, my body does not amount to much. So he put out an advertisement in a Detroit newspaper asking anyone who is interested in the subject of whether the dead can communicate with the living to write him and it was answered by Mrs. Ruth Doran, and we'll get to Ruth later. Bradford came to the decision that to figure out if it's possible to communicate to the dead, you need two minds properly attuned, and one of these minds must, quote, quote, shake its earthly mantle. So Bradford killed himself on a Friday, and he told his landlord, Patrick Marcotte, that if anyone calls, he's out for the day. Marcotte found his body that Saturday after walking near his room, and he found gas pouring from under the door sill. So he pushed it open and found Bradford in his bed, fully clothed, dead. And in his room was a typewriter with a sheet of paper, and it read, And it is true to scientific facts that I propose to demonstrate clearly the phenomena of spirits and prove that all the phenomena is outside the domain of the supernatural. And then the article says, and I have no idea why this is in here. According to Marcotte, Bradford appeared at the store Friday and was asked if he wanted his laundry. Bradford asked how much the laundry was, and it was 87 cents. And then he said, if I had that much, I would be a millionaire. And I have no idea why it focuses on that. I assume that's probably the last time Marco talked to Bradford. But then the article goes on and says, but five pennies were found in the man's clothes, several pawn tickets, three cheap watches, several works on spiritualism, and two trunks were among the articles found in his room. What I infer from that is like, obviously he had enough money for laundry. I don't know. Maybe he owed Marco some laundry money. It was just a weird thing to put in the middle of this article about some dude who killed himself to see if we can talk to the dead. So that's the end of the first article, and I really needed to learn more. So I went down the rabbit hole and found a bunch of other articles. The next headline is from the South Bend News Times in South Bend, Indiana, on February 8th, 1921. And it reads, Kills himself to prove dead talk to living. Subheading, Thomas Lynn Bradford, spiritualist, found dead in room in Detroit. Now this article says most of the same stuff, but it focuses a lot more on Ruth Doran, the woman who answered Bradford's ad. 
And there are some conflicting testimonials from Doran in this article. She first, quote, quote, denied vehemently that there was any pact whereby he was to take his life in the cause of spiritualistic science. Yet Thomas told Ruth, I can prove, quote, I can prove in a very simple manner that the dead can communicate with the living. And then she goes on to say that, quote, quote, the news of his death is a shock to me. I had no intimation of it. But I'm free to say this, that now it has happened. I feel from what he told me, his spirit will come to me first of all. Yes, first of all. So Ruth, did he tell you about the pact or not? It seems like he did, but he also didn't because she probably doesn't want to incriminate herself. But she definitely wants the fame. And then she was asked if she had received a spirit message yet, and she said she had not. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about his manuscripts on spiritualism. Apparently... He was in the process of publishing a book, and he said, if I can only get my book printed, it will make millions. Sir Oliver Lodge communicates with his dead son Raymond in my book. I can show others how to talk to their dear departed. My book will revolutionize the scientific world and cause a world to stop and ponder and think, is what he told Ruth. And side note, Sir Oliver Lodge was a British physicist and was involved in the development of and holder of key patents for radio, so he was a big famous dude. Raymond Lodge's son was a second lieutenant who died during World War I. But one of his manuscripts reads, quote, the purpose of the author to place before the public the phenomena of spiritism in a manner so simple and easy to understand that not only the well-informed, but the ordinary reader may read and understand. And then Doran admitted that that passage indicated that, yes, Bradford had died with the idea of proving he could transmit a message from the spirit world, but reiterated that she had no idea that he would be doing this. And in fact, she knew him as Professor Flynn, not Bradford. But she says that in an earlier meeting, so there were multiple meetings where they talked after the advertisement, they talked on a diversity of subjects from, quote, the karmic law and its psychopathology. And then she goes on to say that she's a psycholatrist. And Bradford had no idea what that was. And Google did not know what that was either. And then she reveals that she is a psychic and has been interested in the occult for years. Doran says that she had an appointment with him at her home on Saturday morning, and he killed himself on that Friday and was disappointed when he did not come. She then says that she feels that if his spirit does return to Earth, it will, quote, manifest itself to me, first of all, at least here in Detroit. So now, that's like the gist of the main story. But we want to know, you know, did his spirit ever come back to Earth, right? Well, in the New York Times, on February 7th, 1921, this headline reads, Dead spiritualist silent. Detroit woman awaits message but denies any contact. It says compact. I think it means contact. But the gist of this article, it's very short. It's just that 40 hours after his death, Bradford was still silent. But Doran said she was still adamant that he would contact her if his spirit ever came back to Earth. But then a week later, February 14th, 1921, an article from the Detroit Free Press, and I love this headline, reads, Spirits Flunk in Bradford's Message Test. And the subheadline, which is equally as hilarious, reads, Mediums concentrate in vain, don't even get lines busy response. So what happened was the spiritualists of Detroit, apparently that's a thing, at nine o'clock on that Saturday night, so February 12th, this is a week later, in all parts of the city, concentrated on Bradford for one hour in an endeavor to aid him in sending a message. The article reads, quote, however, they still have hopes and are waiting with palpitating interest the arrival of his communication. Of course, it may have been delayed in transmission, but this is considered improbable as Burleson's jurisdiction does not extend beyond Earth. I thought that was funny, and I looked it up. So Burleson refers to Albert S. Burleson, who was then chairman of the International Wire Communication Conference. And he was also a former U.S. Postmaster General and was the one who instituted racial segregation in the U.S. Post Office. So yeah, 
Funny line in the article, but not a great person. Anyway, the article goes on to say that as of that Sunday, many people have been trying to contact Ruth Starkweather Doran, that's her middle name, Starkweather, since she began her concentration Saturday evening. If she was at home Sunday, she evidently was concentrating to the limit as several visits failed to bring more than echoing raps. But I can't leave you there. So there are two more articles I found. From the Battle Creek Inquirer from Battle Creek, Michigan, on February 20th, 1921, a headline reads, Killed self to send spirit message, I've got it, says woman in the case. So they tell the majority of the story over again, but then go a little bit further. So just a week after Bradford's death, a little bit after those other articles were published, Doran was standing in her parlor, apparently, with three witnesses, none of them believers in spiritism, and the curtains were drawn, one lamp lighted the room dimly. It's very cinematic the way that they describe it. Dorn stood silent and said, quote, I feel a strange presence. I believe it to be the spirit of the professor. A week ago, I'd scoffed at such a thing. I wonder if there are many concentrating their thoughts on this now. So first, Ruth, you did not scoff at such a thing. You kept telling people that you were going to hear from this professor, and you didn't. So now you're making this up. I mean, that's, that's what I think. Maybe she is talking to the dead. Who knows? Then it says, quote, I hear his voice. It's faint, but it grows more distinct. It is the professor. And then she has one of her witnesses write what she dictates. I am the professor who speaks to you from the beyond. I have broken through the veil. The help of the living has greatly assisted me. I simply went to sleep. I woke up and at first did not realize that I had passed on. I find no great change apparent. I expected things to be much different. They are not. Human forms are retained in outline, but not in the physical. I have traveled far. I am still much in the darkness. I see many persons. They appear natural. There's a lightness of responsibility here, unlike in life. One feels full of rapture and happiness. Persons of like natures associate. I am associated with other investigators. I do not repent my act. Yet yeah, she had to throw that in there. My present plane is but the first series. I am still investigating the future planes regarding which we in this plane are as ignorant as our earthly beings of the life just beyond human life. And then when she came to, she was asked if she was certain she heard from Bradford, to which she replied, without a doubt. And that definitely did not sound like a prepared statement. No, she definitely just grabbed that from the ether. And so our final article comes from the Journal and Courier from Lafayette, Indiana on March 31st, 1921. It says, spirit bodies of men wear evening suits. I'll skip to the end quote in this article, but let me just say, Ruth is definitely milking this for all it's worth. This is what Ruth said, Thomas told her. As I have said before, the outlines of the human form are retained here, but not the physical. Men and women wear raiment much as they were on earth. Astral clothing is what he's saying. There is no time or space here as known on earth. There are spirits here from Mars and other planets. What wonder will yet be revealed to me, Ruth asks. I do not know. The spirit of Professor Bradford has told me much and has promised to tell me much more. And so that's kind of where the story ends. I couldn't find much more after that March 31st article. To me, this reads as someone trying to convince everyone that they actually didn't let someone kill themselves and are not an accomplice to a suicide. And it seems like Ruth is using this as an opportunity to gain some fame in the psychic world. But maybe she did talk to Bradford. Maybe Bradford's spirit was able to return to Earth to tell everybody that, quote, spirit bodies of men wear evening dresses and spirits of women wear the kind of hats that suited their earthly natures because that, that seems like that's an important fact to know about the afterlife. Who knows? Who knows? Well, that concludes this mini-sode, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time for a full episode of Last Week, 100 Years Ago. Last Week, 100 Years Ago is created by Isaac Smith. 
This episode produced and edited by Isaac Smith. Additional editing and sound mixing by Jeremy Zussman. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at lastweek100pod for clippings of this article and more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for a full episode of Last Week 100 Years Ago.